This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. some people that don't think intermittent fasting really is dieting because it's not so much really a change in what you're eating, but it's a lifestyle choice. And we also know that historically, because of changes in lack of access to food and when humans would eat more with the seasons, naturally a lot of humans are designed more to have a period where we're not consuming calories all the time. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. On today's show, we'll discuss the secrets of beautiful skin. We'll learn about intermittent fasting. We'll find out about mindfulness and gratitude. And lastly, we'll hear about the best farmer's markets in Toronto. But first, a little bit of business. Today's show is brought to you by Omega Alpha. Omega Alpha is 100% Canadian-owned and has been GMP-certified for manufacturing to pharmaceutical standards since its inception in 1992. It uses only all-natural herbs, vitamins, and minerals in their formulations. The company is site-licensed for manufacturing nutraceuticals by the Natural Health Products Directorate, a division of Health Canada. They have four company divisions, both a consumer line and professional line of human products, equine pet health products, and a custom manufacturing private label division. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit their website at omegaalphainc.com. Omega Alpha's products are created by their scientific team, headed by their owner, operator, and CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Dr. Chang holds a PhD in physiology and biomedical engineering from the University of Toronto. He also has two years postdoctoral experience in clinical biochemistry, looking at free radicals and antioxidants. He's published over 20 peer-reviewed articles and conference proceedings. Welcome back to the show, Gordon. How are you? Great, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah. Well, it's always a pleasure talking to you. So the weather's finally turned nice, thankfully, in Toronto, and I go outside. And as you know, I've got a lot of skin exposed skin when I go outside because I'm a bald man and it got me thinking about you know how do I protect my skin how do I keep it looking ever so youthful so I thought we'd discuss that today that would be great except I don't think I want to focus on you and your skin no nobody does (laughs) we'll we'll speak generally in general what I I want to really talk about today is about beautiful skin in general because A lot of times I've run into a lot of people, many women, and they all talk about this cream, that cream, this lotion, this potion, and they all address skin beauty from the outside. Right. right? And yep. as a physiologist, etc., one of my biggest things has always been, you know, it's not a one cure for it all. I mean, there's, there's many more than one solution. Yeah. 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 But it's not just one solution. And because skin gets damaged from many different ways and many different rationales, and there's many different ways to approach it. So I thought I'd talk about renewing skin from the inside out, because in all fairness, skin is part of your body. All the nutrients will have to come from the inside to keep it healthy. Right. right? So some of the things I, I wanted to talk about is um, free radicals and how it damages the skin. So when we're outside in the sun, the sunshine, the UV light, all that UV that's beating down on you, it generates free radicals. And that free radicals can then damage your skin. Right. Different things that people can use to help 
not prevent the damage, but help withstand the damage. Because no matter how you slice it, you know, you can't get, unless you cover it up, right, from the sun. And of course, you can cover up, etc. But that defeats the purpose of, of going in the sun, right? Yes. So one of the things you can do to mitigate some of this damage is to take a lot of antioxidants, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about antioxidants, it has to be in the right location for it to be effective. For example, I always said, you know what, lutein, everybody says lutein for the eyes. It's not because lutein is especially good for the eyes. It's just that lutein hangs out in the macular tissue in the eye so that when you get a free radical attack at the level of the of the macular tissue, lutein is there to soak up those free radicals and hence negate its effect, right? So which of the antioxidants hang out in the skin then? And there are many different ones that hang on the skin. One of them that, that you want right off the get-go is uh, vitamin E. Vitamin E hangs out in the skin a lot, right? Yes. Now, when I say hang out in the skin, it has to be embedded in the tissue of the, c- the skin, the cell membranes, right? And one of the other things that I would suggest that people do to help with this, the cell membranes is to incorporate omega-3s into their diet, right? So fish oil, right, with the EPA, DHA. Now, what people don't realize is because of that um, unsaturated bond, that's why they call it an omega-3, because the unsaturated bond, it comes from the third position of the carbon. Anyway, that, that's too much um, science, but the whole idea with the unsaturated bond is that it has the ability to absorb the free radical and lessen the effect of the free radical. Now, what, the reason that's good is that it prevents the skin, the cells, from dying. Because damaged skin is usually because the cells are dead, right? So if you can prevent the cell from dying, that's a wonderful thing, right? But doesn't our skin die and, and replace itself all the time, though? It does, right? But it's die. I mean, it's one thing to die from natural causes. Right. And it's, an, and it's another thing to die from because you've been abusing it. For example, right. yeah. if you get burnt, right? Yeah. You know, it, you kill off the skin, but more than that, it kills off the underlying tissue, which actually regenerates the skin, right? Okay. So that, that's why people end up with scar tissue, etc. But that's another story for another day, right? But what people don't realize, I, I, I talk about this, is that we have to, you have to give the body a lot of the supplements that it would need to help regenerate the skin. So something as simple as minerals, Right. right. Yeah. Um, people don't think of minerals. So one of the minerals people use for, for good skin is silicon. Right. Now we tend to use silica, which is a, uh, a colloidal. Which is silica comes in many different types. Right. The one that you would like to get is something that's either in a soluble form, which doesn't really exist, but we use something called a colloidal form of silica. And that colloidal form means that the silica molecules are small enough that that it can get absorbed through the gut and then get incorporated into the skin tissue. So it can be ingested is what you're saying, right? It could be ingested, right? The actual element you need is silicon, which is the active ingredient in silica, right? Which is, you know, anyway... But that's what you can get. You can, there are many different supplements which has silicon as one of its ingredients, right? The idea with any type of minerals, et cetera, is to take a wide variety because what you want to do again is to supply the enzymes that regenerate the skin with all of its basic needs because sometimes something as simple as selenium or zinc or copper may be necessary for the enzymes to work well. Right to be fully functional. So, are right. you saying are you saying that we should get our silica through silicon through a multivitamin, or is there a different way to, to get it supplementally? 
Silicon, unfortunately, is one of those things that, you know, it's very difficult to find in, in the food sources. Right. And normally most people get it in, in the form of a multivitamin. But the other ones like zinc, copper, and so on, you can get that in food sources. Of course, yeah. Right? But as, like I always say, you know, to be sure that you are getting it, it's easy to get a multivitamin that contains it or some other product that contains it, right? Is there is there an amount of silica that we should be getting we, on a, regu- a regular basis? We don't need a, a huge amount. Anywhere from 10 milligrams a day is probably more than enough, right? Some people want to use more, some people want to use less. Yeah, nobody's going to give it to you in a ridiculous amount of quantity, right? Okay. Because we, there are guidelines out there as to what to use, etc. So different, depending on what the issue is, people use more, people use less. But you're not going to be sucking back a kilogram of it a day. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> you know, all, all things in, in moderation. In moderation. Yeah. You can't go wrong, right? Now, so these are some of the things that we talk about in the repair side, right? Yes. Now, another thing that people use a lot of is things like collagen. Right. right? Yeah. Now, collagen is responsible for the elasticity of the skin, right? So when you have skin elasticity, you need to replenish that collagen. Now, collagen, you can get it's a protein, and the protein, the raw materials come from whatever foods you ingest. Yes. However, if you want to make the repair system a lot more effective, it's better to get collagen as collagen from the outside. Now, contrary to popular belief, the body doesn't take collagen from the outside and use it the same, and doesn't break it down and put it back into as collagen. How digestion works, it takes the collagen from the outside, breaks it down to its amino acid content, so things like proline, hydroxyproline, those are the two main amino acids that you get from collagen, absorbs those amino acids, and then the body then takes that and remanufactures collagen. It seems like a waste, but that's how Mother Nature has done has done its thing. Right. right, and when we're trying to get collagen from food sources, it's like the cuts of meat that have a lot of connective tissue. Would it be a good source of collagen, right? Would be a good source of collagen. Our only biggest problem with that is that it's one of the toughest meats to digest properly. And you have to cook it properly, and uh, and, and it's it's sort of out of for people who don't eat meat or for people who don't have the patience to cook, you know, a, a piece of meat with a lot of connective tissue. It may be hard to get. Collagen. Might be hard to get it, yeah. Yeah, but you know one of the easiest places to get collagen? No. Collagen is the breakdown from gelatin. So you can get gelatin, like good old, you know, the different type of gelatin yeah, that sure. you buy out there, right? I don't want to mention any No, we're not talking names, brands, but... Right? Yeah. But you can take some of that, and that, you know, you may not get a 100% breakdown, right? But it breaks down enough that you can have a steady supply coming in. The analogy I always like to use is I can build a brick wall. Uh, yeah, we're back with your to, wall, yeah. Yeah, if you give me the bricks... Right, I can build it faster. If you give me just the mud and the sand and I have to make the bricks, it's that much harder to do, right? right. So like if you give me the ingredients to make collagen and you give me all the amino acids sitting there, I can repair it. I can do the manufacture collagen a lot faster. So that's why it's a good idea to take the collagen as collagen so you can get all the rows in, inside there. So, right. so I, I know that different supplements source different types of collagen, right? Like there's from the sea, there's from, from animals. Mm-hmm. Do you have an opinion as to, is there a difference between the collagens in terms of efficacy? No, I know out there people say, oh, type 1, type right. 2, type Ex- 4, etc. Yeah. What they don't realize when they say type 1, type 2, type 4, it's not based on what makes up the collagen. Type 1, type 2, type 4, is, it depends on how the collagen manifest itself. For example, some of them, some of the collagen, you see it as like rope-like structures. Some of them are, are in sheets, right? So, yep. 
from the outside looking in, we call them different types of collagen. But we don't care about that. What we care about is what are the basic amino acids that make up the collagen? Because in all fairness, our body does not take type 1 or type 4 and bring it into the body as type 1, type 4. It breaks it down into the individual amino acids. So the individual amino acids from type 1, type 4 is basically the same. It's just that one is in sheets, one is in rope-like structures, you know what I mean? Okay. So there are different ways of doing it. Got it. All right? So anyway, so collagen is one of those other things. And, you know, and in all fairness, to protect the skin, again, from the outside, you do your, your, your sunblock, et cetera, which I'll leave for another day, yep. et cetera. But because I, I really want to focus in on what we can do to help our, our skin look healthier, et cetera, from the inside out. Okay, so what else, what else can we take that will help us from the inside out? Okay, so we we just talked a little bit about some of the minerals, not right? There are other things that, that we can... I want to talk a little bit about things like acne. And the reason I want to talk about acne is because a lot of the young people out there get acne. And, it's, it's, and acne is basically uh, inflamed sweat gland or inflamed glands, okay? Mm-hmm. Again, antioxidants work great for that. Right, because it helps protect the skin. And, you know, if I had known that when, when I was in my youthful years growing up, right, it would have saved me a lot of, a lot of grief. You know? <laughs> For sure. Yeah, a lot, yeah. A lot of prom night uh, angst would have been alleviated if you had had your antioxidants. Right. No, what, people don't, what, what I don't want people to think is that you're going to take a couple of antioxidant pills and, and then you're never going to get it as long as you live. What we find with people who take antioxidants, right, and there's a multiple range of it, is that we find that the skin over time is a lot better, a lot healthier. So you don't have those those breakouts as, as often. But those breakouts are the body trying to expel the toxins, right? Isn't that what... No, no? when we talk okay. about acne, not really. From a, from a medical point of view, what, what it is is that the glands in them get plugged up, right? right? Okay. And because... W- you know, teenagers, we're expressing a, a, a lot of extra fat, et cetera, and, it's, and it gets plugged up. And when it gets plugged up, the bacteria get in there, and then uh, it, they start okay. to get infected, et cetera, et cetera. And then the skin cells get damaged, and it shows up as acne, right? I mean, it's, it's a multiple problem. It's not a single problem. Got you it. Know what I mean? Yep. So what we're trying to do is to help strengthen the skin. Antioxidants. I, I can't over... Um, Emphasize, yeah emphasize the antioxidant effect, right? And also you take your trace minerals, it makes a huge difference as far as efficacy, et cetera, and how your skin looks, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. And of course you take your collagen, right? Things like hyaluronic acid is something you can take. What's, what's that? Hyaluronic acid is again, one of the ingredients that's used in the manufacture of skin, right? And when I say skin, I'm talking about all three layers. I'm talking about the underlying tissue, not just the epidermis. People, when they talk about skin, they're thinking of just the outside, which is the epidermis, the epithelial layer, right? Underneath, there's the dermis, etc. All those nutrients I'm talking about feed the the dermis and then allows that to then strengthen the epidermis to give you cells that are more resistant to damage. Okay, so how do we, that acid that you mentioned, how do you pronounce it? Hyaluronic acid is just another ingredient, another component that people can use. Okay. Right? So what I'm trying to say is that there are many different things that you can take and sometimes people say, oh, they just want you to take one thing and one thing only and they think that cures all. It doesn't. 
right? That's why I like a good multivitamin that contains phytonutrients. So you have, because phytonutrients are a source of a lot of antioxidants, for example. Okay. Right? You take your vitamins, so your vitamin C, your vitamin E, your vitamin D. Those are just some of them off the top of my head. You have your B vitamins, your beta carotenes, etc. So a good multivite, right? Sometimes you may need to take a little bit more of the vitamin C and the vitamin E, again, within reason, right? Yep. And, you know, and if you follow that with, with um, there, there are certain things that people will take, like, like different types of herbs that, which will help with the skin, etc. right? But we, as I said, we're running out of time, I know, so we, I won't go down that path yet. But again, with your sleep, your exercise, etc., and eating reasonably well, etc., you can enjoy good skin, naturally good skin. You'll end up using a lot less lotions and potions. Well, if we can do that, that would be a good thing. And that is all the time we have today. Thank you so much for coming on. And even though you are speaking generally, you've helped me with my beautiful skin. And we'll hear back from you next month, right? Definitely. We've got to take a short break. But when we return, we'll learn about intermittent fasting on The Tonic. Alamax Canada is the company that delivers real, bioactive, stabilized allicin. Using only the freshest garlic from Spain, Alamax is the trusted source for a high-quality and effective Allison supplement. The manufacturers of Alamax have dedicated their time to researching this fascinating plant and all of its antimicrobial and antibacterial benefits. To fight infection and stay well, take Alamax. For more information, visit Alamax.ca. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained, natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Dr. Emily Lipinski graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto, Ontario, and is a member of the Ontario Association of Naturopathic Doctors. While in the academic world, Emily became fascinated with the potential applications of naturopathic medicine in health and wellness. She strongly believes in addressing the root causes of a medical issue and using natural therapies either alone or in conjunction with conventional Western medicine. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So as someone who's lost a lot of weight and kept it off Mm -hmm. for over a decade, I have pretty strong personal feelings about quote-unquote diets. I accept that for some people they may work in the short run or for a very specific purpose like pre-surgery, but in the long run people have to make sustainable life choices in order to keep weight off. Absolutely. That being said, there's a new concept that many people are implementing to great effect and that is intermittent fasting. Yes. So what is it? First of all, so that people understand. 
So really it is as it sounds. It's a form of controlled fasting or not eating for a period of time every day over time. So short periods of not eating and then periods of eating. Right. So essentially, I mean, from a practical purpose, what you're saying is there's certain hours of the day where you are not going to eat at all. That's correct. Right. And I mean, you know, I suppose when I say I don't diet, when I lost the weight, for example, for me, it was very important not to eat after dinner, right? Like, right. like after dinner, just that gap between when I went to bed and then obviously sleeping, you're not eating and you wake up and you have breakfast again. But this is a little more structured and a little more extreme than that, right? It is. And there are some people that don't think intermittent fasting really is dieting because it's not so much really a change in what you're eating or, but it's a form of, it's a lifestyle choice. Right. And we also know that historically there was, because of changes in lack of access to food and when humans would eat more with the seasons, naturally a lot of humans are designed more to have a period where we're not consuming calories all the time. Okay. So for me, like I always understood that when you don't eat regular meals, what you're training your body to do is sort of conserve the energy, which means it holds on to the calories. It burns them slower, right? So this concept sort of th- turns that on, on its ear. Where, where did it come from? Like, what's the theory of how it works? So this is different than, so when you're thinking of that, you're thinking more of starvation. So going l- like a longer period with much lower calories. Yeah, for me, starvation is like not eating in between slices of pizza. But anyways, go on. <laughs> And what happens with that, the old theory was that when we did that, when we kind of had, you know, weeks of not eating or three or four days of not eating and then eating, and then that could turn on something in humans was identified as this thrifty gene, which came from our ancestors when we went through periods of famine. So that was to, you know, retain those calories whenever they come in. This is different where it's much more controlled and it's a certain period of time. There's a few ways of intermittent fasting, sure. but let's go with the 16-8. That's the most popular way right now. So there's eight hours during the day that you consume calories and then 16 hours, typically overnight and maybe a little bit after dinner and before breakfast where you're not consuming any calories. Okay. That you, you could still consume water or black tea or black coffee. And what we found is that when that happens over time, it actually helps to increase the metabolism. And that's due to some of the beneficial hormonal benefits that happen with the intermittent fasting. So intermittent fasting actually has been shown to increase insulin, which, which helps sugar get into the cell. Mm-hmm. And that can help facilitate fat burning. It also seems to increase human growth hormone, which also is, we know, and it's been abused actually in, you know, the black market. Yeah, the HGH. Yes, bodybuilding world, because we know growth hormone is something that's really hard to boost naturally in the body, but it does really increase the burning of fat. And we see that HGH, human growth hormone, does increase with intermittent fasting. It also, in some people, it seems to have a beneficial effect in norepinephrine, so a neurotransmitter that also can send signals to the cell to help burn fat. Does it matter when those eight hours are? No. So, for example, if I decided not to eat until noon, I could eat all the way until eight o'clock, for example, right? Exactly. Because I I would think one drawback to to doing this is sort of it might hamper your sociability, like if you're going out for dinner. And you can't have dinner, that might be a problem. I don't know. It is. And some people, I find with my patients, that is the most common complaint 
I'd say especially on weekends, right. staying out a little bit later, they find that, that piece difficult. So as a, the 16-8 is the most popular way, but there is another way. I actually was just speaking to a patient about this before we're chatting, but it's the 5-2 diet. So okay, how does that work? Five days a week, you not fasting, you're not worrying about it, you're eating as you, you will. Two days a week, you essentially only have one meal in the whole day. That's up to about 600 calories. Hmm. So some people choose to do that on, let's say, like a Tuesday and a Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they're eating like they normally would. So the two days don't need to be consecutive? No. Okay. But doesn't that wreak havoc with your system in terms of like digestion and regularity? So far, the studies show that it hasn't. Again, you know, the human body is optimized to have these breaks in when we're eating. I mean, historically, we just haven't. Our culture is very much focused on eating and having three meals a day, yes. snacks in between. Right. And, you know, but historically, did, did humans really do, do that? We're not really optimized to just graze through the whole day. Okay, and, and this 5-2, is, is it shown to be as effective as, for example, the 16-8 type breakdown? So far, it does seem to be showing the same sort of benefits. And with your patients, is it working? Like, are you recommending these intermittent fasts? I have been, and I find that some patients, again, you know, everyone's looking for a silver bullet, and right. everyone's individual, and intermittent fasting, although it works, I've seen it work beautifully in some patients, it doesn't work for everyone. What, what sort of issues are causing people not to sort of fall, either they're not following through or it's not working for them? Where are you seeing that? I'd say starting it is difficult. Yeah. And no matter which, what, whether you're doing the 5-2, whether you're doing the 16-8, to get into the habit of doing it, it is difficult. I mean, when you're fasting as well, some people really do feel that hunger, which again, in our society, we have trained not to feel hunger often. You know, a lot of people, right. when I ask them, do you feel hungry? And they say, no, I never really feel hungry because I eat and I have ample food and access to food whenever I'm hungry, so I don't feel that feeling. And it's an uncomfortable feeling. So that is something. Once getting over the hurdle, some people feel like I'm in the zone with it. I don't have any problem continuing it. But it's like you said, going out on weekends or sometimes having, especially if someone likes to have a few drinks, that can also change things up because the alcohol also affects our insulin levels and affects our hunger cues as well. Right. And also there's a lot of calories in the alcohol mm. as well. So yes. it, it counts. It's just the same as food in terms of intake of, of calories. Absolutely. Uh, so what sort of results would one expect? Like how quickly will this work and what sort of weight loss would you expect with some of I find the majority of my patients that are trialing it see results quite quickly in the first week. Oh, really? I have a few of my patients recently ha have had that. When I have been, done intermittent fasting, it's taken more than or about two or three weeks for me to actually start seeing results. So again, it's more of a personal level, but I'd say by the first month for sure, you should be seeing something happening. Okay. When you say something happening, what, what's realistic? Like what sort of things have you seen empirically? So like, I'd say the average weight, if someone starts dropping weight quickly, the average pounds within a week is about two pounds a week. Oh, that's, that's really good. Yeah, it's pretty... And does that remain the case for as long as you're doing this or... Most people eventually plateau. Like, right. You know, and so because the body gets used to it, so then we change it up. Often, you know, if they started with 16-8, maybe we're switching to 5-2 
at that time. Okay. Or it's, you know, adding a little bit of exercise in the morning right before they have their first meal. A lot of people do find that the easiest way to do the 16-8 is there's a lot of people that aren't actually hungry in the morning. Right. So they find, perfect, I'm not hungry anyways, and I can still have my coffee black, or I can have my black tea, so great. And then at lunch, they have their lunch. So sometimes to kind of go over that plateau when someone's hit it is before having that lunch meal, they're having ten, even just 10 minutes of aerobic exercise. So they're going in their office, they're closing their door and doing some some jumping jacks and some sit-ups, and then they're taking their lunch. Are there, are there drawbacks to, to doing the intermittent fasting? Any concerns? So really, people with an eating disorder, I find that something that, you know, any sort of diet or controlled way of eating, I generally don't recommend that if you have a history of an eating disorder. Right. If someone easily becomes hypoglycemic, so, you know, intermittent fasting, we've seen a lot of benefit with diabetics, but that's something that definitely has to be overseen by a clinician, your healthcare provider, because, of course, with intermittent fasting, it does change your blood sugar and insulin levels. And then I never recommend it to pregnant women or, or women or men that are already underweight. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there's no purpose. I, I would imagine kids and the elderly would have to be careful with something like this too, right? Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it for a child, right? No. And then also if you're on multiple medications, there are some medications that absolutely need to be taken a few times a day and they're recommended to be taken with food. So intermittent fasting would not be for that individual okay. either, right? Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on the show and explaining uh, this. That's all the time we have. Thank you for having me. You'll come back again next month though, right? I will. Fantastic. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. Urinary tract infections are the worst and can come back again and again, making life miserable. Utiva is a 100% natural daily supplement that stops UTIs before they start. Utiva is recommended by doctors, drug-free, and made in Canada. For an exclusive 25% discount, visit us at utivahealth.com. That's U-T-I-V-A-Health.com. Or call us at 1-888-622-3613. That's 1-888-622-3613. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest is local yogi Tracy Sagrati. She has a post-secondary education in biology, molecular biology, nursing, acute care, public health education, and Swedish and Thai massage. She specializes in training yoga teachers, and she is the co-founder of Evolve Retreat, a phenomenal opportunity for women to celebrate and grow together in Costa Rica. 
For more information, visit EvolveRetreat.org. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jamie. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm grateful that you're here too. Oh, thanks, my friend. So I think most people that know me would say that I am a glass half empty sort of guy. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. (laughs) And I feel like when you come on the show, we're always dealing with my personal issues. So, you know, it's, it's kind of my way to sort of slide things in because you know, outside of, of working with you, I actually genuinely love you. So I know. And I love you too. <laughs> Today, we're going to consider gratitude, right? We're going <laughs> to, we're going to consider something that where people actually think of optimism and, and yes. the glass being half full. Absolutely. So, yeah. so how else would you describe gratitude? What is it? Okay. So the basics of what gratitude, if I was to give you sort of a dictionary definition, it's, yep. it's a feeling of being, you know, really thankful and allowing for a readiness in yourself to express your appreciation, right? right? And to be able to do this, you have to also be able to tune into and orient to all of the positive aspects of your life. Right. And that's the stumbling block for me. Sometimes I can't see, I can't see the forest for the trees and I can't see what is good. I'm focusing on what is bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully the reason what we know, what, what I'm thankful about here is, is the reason that you do that and, you know, really all other humans to some degree, the reason they do that is because we have a negativity bias. And it's just that, you know, your brain and my brain responds way more intensely to negative stimuli than it does for, for positive stimuli. Right. Right. And then, you know, so, but we're, so that, we were hotwired for that. Right. I mean, like when we had to live in the caves and there were yeah. like ferocious beasts out there, yeah. you, you needed the people who both said, oh, yeah, over that hill is where all our food is. But you also needed the people to say, yeah, over yeah. the hill is where the danger is. So we need to be careful. Right. Exactly. Like, exactly. It kept us alive. Right. Yep. It, it most definitely it's a survival tactic. One hundred percent. Right. It's just that the way that the world has evolved has made that survival tactic almost act like a glitch, you know, and then on top of that, so that's kind of your baseline brain, right? And, and obviously depending on your personality and your constitution and your genetics, you know, some people have a little bit more of a negativity bias, but then on top of that, there's also your own personal history, right? So you've already got the negativity bias. And then if you have a history of negative experiences, and I would even go into if you've got any kind of trauma history, which is, you know, a trauma is just something that totally overwhelms your capacity to cope, then what might happen is the way that you perceive things in your environment is innately as more threatening than they are in reality. And that's because this part of your brain that evaluates threats, your amygdala, it grows larger with traumatic experiences, right? So not only are you looking at the world with this negative bias, but the actual structure of your brain might be such that the things that you're perceiving are evaluated to be perhaps more threatening than they actually are. Okay. And and so what you're suggesting is, you know, we can overcome that through a mindfulness practice, right? Yeah. Like we don't have to give in to these negative thoughts and predispositions. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm suggesting that. I'm just going to qualify what you said a little bit. We okay. can so 
we can overcome the structural part, you know, say, say you've got a, a history of trauma and, you know, there have been structural changes in the brain because of that. Absolutely. A mindfulness practice has been linked to decreasing the size of the amygdala. So 100% you can overcome that. And the negativity bias, you can train yourself to be more balanced, I would say. Okay. And you know, the, one of the examples that I wanted to talk about, because I just, I think it's so relevant for yep. everybody, just people in relationships. So, you know, researchers who were looking at marriages found that, okay, marriages that last, for example, or are satisfied or are happy, they have sort of a more balanced, positive and negative feelings towards each other. Okay. Now, if you remember that we tend to have this negativity bias, that doesn't mean that, okay, you've got about a 50-50 of negative and positive things happening with each other. It's what they actually found is that you need five positive things to balance out one negative. Wow. That seems difficult. That seems like a challenge. Right, so let's just sit with that for a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that sounds like a lot of heavy lifting to me. Well, no, you know what? It's actually small things. So that's the key to remember. Okay. It's, not, it's not necessarily heavy lifting. It's, it's really in the details. So it's tiny little things every day. But the interesting thing about those studies that looked at marriage, what I found interesting anyway, is the fact that when they extrapolated this out and, and they thought, okay, well, does this have to do with other things? You know, is it sort of, is it five positive, you know, events and just, you know, your day-to-day functioning that have nothing to do with your marriage that will outweigh, you know, one negative. And it seems to be pretty consistent. So, so whatever the circumstances, you need five positive for one negative, yeah. whether it's marriage or yeah. other, other interactions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so what I love is you kind of went to, okay, well, that seems like a lot of heavy lifting, right? Well, I was making a joke. No, I know. I know. But it's really relevant because that joke, you know, in all jokes, there's a little bit of truth, Uh-oh. right? Here we go. Right? right? Okay. So in that joke, you actually went to a place that I think a lot of people go to. And that place is, oh my God, I'm, I'm already so overwhelmed. How do I do more stuff? Like, how do I fit more stuff into my schedule to make me happier to actually meet this, right? Yep. And so this is where gratitude comes in. And this is why it's so powerful. Okay. Because what gratitude does, so if we go back to the definition, it's just about being thankful, right? Right. Pretty simple. Mm -hmm. So if you want to sort of tip the scale towards happiness, practicing gratitude, all it means is bringing your attention to the good things that you would normally take for granted. So you're just, you're just changing your perspective. It could be, it could be something that is maybe you perceived as being neutral. It just, it's just part of your marriage. But what what you're saying is take a step back, notice it and respect it for the positive aspect that it actually is. Yeah, right? absolutely. And I'm, I'm actually even saying more than that. So, so okay. sure, it might be that it's something that you perceived as neutral, but to be honest, Jamie, it might be something that you haven't even noticed because you're on autopilot in your marriage. Fair right? enough. Yep. And I, I don't know about you, but I was, I was like looking at my husband last night and I was thinking we were making dinner for the kids and then my daughter started throwing up. So it was just like, it was a mess. Yeah, there's not much good in that, but yeah. Right, not yeah. much good. And you know, my husband was doing one thing, I was doing another thing. And I, I realized I hadn't, like, he was being really helpful. He was doing all the amazing things he always does. And I, I don't even think I had looked at his face for like four hours, right. right? Much less even spoken to him because we were just doing our tasks 
and, and that's because I was on autopilot, right? And this is really what mindfulness tries to work against because, you know, when you're on autopilot, you're not conscious, you're not present, you're not even processing what's around you, you're distracted, you're often cycling through, you know, your old thought patterns, which are future past oriented. So in order to practice gratitude, you have to actually come into the present moment. You have to be able to look at, okay, what's happening right now mm-hmm. and then to be thankful for it and and it's thankful of things that sure maybe you would perceive them as neutral but I would bet that we're not even noticing them right they're happening around us all the time and we're not even paying attention to them and so by actually being cognizant and expressing our appreciation we start to tip that balance Okay. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. What do we know about people who, who are capable of doing this? Like, like what does it mean to yes. them? Yeah, so absolutely. So what studies have shown is number one, that they have more energy, which I actually, when I was, when I was doing a bit of research on this, that was the one I was surprised about. Yeah, thought, that okay, is surprising. Like, like, okay, well, how does it give you more energy? And it's because by being positive, right, and orienting yourself to the positive, it seems to deflect or to stop you from the inertia, right? Uh, yep. So you're more disciplined. It's like, oh, you know, I, you know, I'm so happy I have a body that I can exercise in. You know, I'm so grateful that I can get out of bed. Great, I'm going to go move that body, right, yep. for example. So it tends to, to really impact and increase people's will. Mm-hmm. And so because their will is increased, they engage in more pro-social behaviors, um, more health-related behaviors, and then they have more energy. Well, that's certainly positive. Yeah. Which is awesome, right? Yep. Increased well-being overall, so in terms of mood, so less anxiety, less depression, you know, more happiness, more joy, more equanimity, happy, happier relationships, less pain. So, you know, if, if you're somebody who's got a chronic pain condition um, and you're oriented around that pain all the time, then you can really lose all the things that could potentially that you could be grateful for. Right. Better sleep, which is amazing. We've got, you know, a sleep crisis happening in the world. We do. As well as really improved focus and motivation. I mean, I think this is like this is like magic. It is. Uh, but it isn't a cure all, right? There's some no. there are some things that that this mindfulness practice really can't help us with, right? Yeah, it has limitations. So, you know, the thing with gratitude is it can help to counteract the effects of your negativity bias, which we talked about, right? Right. And then the mindfulness is going to maybe impact structurally what's happening in your brain, but it's not going to stop bad things from happening, No. right? The reality is, is if someone you love dies, you're not going to feel grateful, right? right? Of course not. It might help you cope in that, you know, when something bad happens, you can feel grateful for support. You know, you can feel grateful for the time that you had... uh, with someone who has passed on, for example. Right. So it might help your resilience around the negative thing happening, but it's certainly not going to stop that thing from happening. Right. Okay, we only have time for one more, and and that is you've told us all about the benefits of practicing gratitude. How do we actually do it? So I'm going to say two things. So personally, you can make a practice of writing down five things you're grateful for every day. And then in your relationships, make it a practice to turn to them, look in their eyes and tell them three specific things that you're grateful for in them every night before bed. 
That is great advice. Well, I am grateful to you for coming on the show and being a great guest, number one. Thank you. Number two... Uh, you feel so good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> number two, your positive attitude, which counteracts my cynicism. And number three, I'm sure all our listeners love hearing your great voice. You're going to come back next month, though, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank Fantastic. you so much. We'll be right back on The Tonic. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of The Tonic Talk Show... I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Megan Horsley is a registered holistic nutritionist, blog writer, and recipe developer. She's passionate about helping her clients discover their best selves with a holistic approach to their well-being, with delicious food, movement, and thoughts. Megan loves witnessing the transformations that unfold. She's a knowledgeable and entertaining writer, and she wrote a great article in the summer issue of Tonic all about why we should visit a farmer's market. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. How's it going? It's summertime, finally, in the city. Yes. And have you had a sunburn yet? I got my first sunburn the other day. Well, most people know I have a lot of extra skin exposed to the sun because of my bald head. <laughs> so the thing is, I have this Mediterranean complexion. It's very hard for me to burn. It has. I have to be out for like six or seven hours without block before I'm going to get burnt. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah, me, it's like 10 minutes. Yeah, you're fair. And I had you're... sunscreen on, okay? Yeah. I had sunscreen yeah. <laughs> just this little patch, but I'm proud of it. Good proud for you. Of it. It'll be a little tan. Naomi, Naomi goes outside. <laughs> she just looks outside and she gets sunburned automatically because she's very fair skin. <laughs> but not me. So farmer's market, getting outside to do your sh- food shopping. What could be better than that, right? Yes, yes. It is the best time of year. This is my favorite time of year. We get to experience these farmer's markets. In Toronto, we are so lucky. We have so many farmer's markets that span all across the city. Yes. East End, West End, a little bit of the north, a little bit of the, well, I guess south, closer to the water. Yeah. <laughs> right. You can only go so far Liberty south Village, in the city. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so this is a fantastic way to get your groceries. But as we learned in the article and what we'll talk about today is there's so much more to it than just buying your food. Right. Okay, so let's talk about you know the obvious advantages to going to a farmer's market. Where would you start? Yeah, so number one... I believe that the food is fresher because it is. If right. we think about typical grocery store food, again, there's so many pros to our grocery stores, but one of the issues is that we do ship in a lot of our produce. And right. not only produce, other grocery products too, but produce specifically is fresher at farmer's markets for the most part, right? If we think about the fact that if we're importing a lot of our produce from California because they generally have better and longer growing seasons than us, we have to think about how long that produce has been sitting on trucks, how long it's been 
sitting there and, you know, there are different tactics that... Well, sure, they, they pick certain fruits and vegetables pre-ripe. Before they're be- ripe. Before they're yeah. ripe and they ripen in transit, right? Yes, yes. Uh, and, you know, the process of getting food over the border, for example, like I, a friend of mine actually is uh, the watermelon king of uh, Canada and virtually every melon that is purchased and eaten in Canada goes through goes through him mm-hmm. and you know he was explaining to me the process of trucking it all the way up to the United States crossing the border getting it to the food terminal getting to the point where it's brokered and then purchased by the stores who then store it and then ship it to the various of their locations you know it could be weeks and weeks exactly. uh, uh, from the field to your table exactly uh, and even if it's grown in Ontario there's there's a lag in certain respects although the, there are certain grocery stores who certainly uh, have Ontario products Yes, definitely. And yeah, we'll see that in most of our grocery stores. There is that that preference for Ontario produce, right? Right. But you're absolutely right. So it can be weeks before you're actually getting the the produce on the shelves. Right. Um, And so the thing with farmer's markets is that it's generally fresher, picked within a couple days of being sold at the farmer's market. Right. I mean, some things you'll get away with holding on for a little longer, like sweet potatoes can hold for a little longer, for example, a lot of the root vegetables. But generally speaking. Greens, fruits. Yes. No, they're they're going to be fresher. Yeah. Okay, so beyond fresh food, why else should we bother going to a farmer's market? They're so fun. They There's are. so much fun. I have a few favorites in the East End. Uh, one that I really like to go to is the Withrow Farmer's Market. So that would be just south of the Danforth between Logan and Carla. Okay. And... They have so many fun events for families. So it's it's directed towards families in that neighborhood. They have free yoga on Saturday mornings. Wow. So this is when the, the yep. farmer's market is every Saturday morning. So you can go and do a bit of yoga. Um, they generally have live music. Right. And... It's so fun to see all the little kids jumping around, dancing around. Um, So it can really be a family experience, right? If that's what you're looking for. And, you know, one of the perks of that is if you generally struggle to grocery shop with your kids (laughs) in tow, this could be a nice way to distract them while you poke around to the different vendors and and learn about what you're buying. Exactly. And I guess that comes to the next point, and that is, you know, the type of products that you can get at a farmer's market that you might not be able to get in the grocery store, right? Yeah, so so a lot of vendors um, actually start start their their businesses at farmer's markets. So they'll go to different farmer's markets to try selling their products, new right. products, to see if they see if consumers bite. So one farmer's market that um, will typically have a lot of and promote a lot of new vendors is the Evergreen Brickworks Farmer's yep. Market, right? Yep. So down off of it's uh, not so Bayview. cheap to it's not so cheap to get a booth there though. I, I mean, like everything there is more expensive because they insist on you know a lot of green protocol. Yes. Which is not a no, no, bad thing, no, but you do isn't. have to know that going in yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too, I mean, just on just on that note about being more expensive to get in there, they do verify their vendors, right, as being organic. Yes, but but verify that they are in fact the producers of those products, or right. are in fact and, the farmers of those products. Correct, and that the production process is a clean one, quote unquote. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, so just uh, on that topic, unfortunately, a, a couple of years ago, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, there was a Peterborough farmer's market that found out some of their farmers were not, in fact, the farmers of the produce they were selling. And so, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, imagine so they going to a grocery store. They were going to Metro and buying, and buying fruits and vegetables and repackaging them. That's brilliant. Yeah. Right? I mean, I guess it's kind of genius. Well, but <laughs> well, you know, if you drive up to the cottage on Highway 11, there's always the wild blueberries 
that are there, you know, at the latter part of the summer. Yes. And everybody presumes that they're local because they all seem to be in one area, like south of Gravenhurst, when you're on the highway. The truth of the matter is all those berries come from Quebec and they actually truck them in. But you think you're buying berries. Oh, yeah. Like just behind the highway there, they're picking blueberries. No, they're coming in from from Quebec. Yes. I mean, it doesn't. They're still delicious and they're still wild blueberries, but they ain't from Gravenhurst. Yeah, not necessarily. So. You know, again, another great reason why you should visit farmers markets is that you can actually speak to these farmers, pick their brains, figure out what their process is, if they are organic certified, what's that like for them, right? And so you really get to learn about where your food is coming from. You get to learn about all of the hard work that goes into the food that's grown for you. So you almost, you earn a better appreciation for what you're actually buying and for the people who are growing it for you. Right. And if you need that kind of information, I mean, frequently they will tell you, you know, how to prepare it as well, which is information that you might not get if you're in the supermarket. Certainly a farmer will know, you know, whether or not those greens need to be boiled or steamed or whether you can eat them raw or, you know, certain applications you may not think of. Or if you're buying, for example, you know, a product like beets, whether the greens, which are quite delicious, if you like beet greens, those can be eaten, how they can be prepared. So I love, I love sauteed beet greens. Yeah. But not, not everybody knows that the greens are, no. are a good part as well, right? <laughs> no, they're, they're really good for you. Right. So, yes, I definitely say, like, go out and meet the farmers and, and the other vendors, too. I mean, they're not only farmers no. there. Um, lots of... Jams artis- and, yeah, like, maple sugars. Producers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you really are in front of a whole variety of products. It's just a, it's a fantastic way to spend your morning, and not even not even just your morning. So if you if you check out the tonic article that that I wrote about this topic, yep, um, there is a, should, yes. as, as you should. Um, there's a link on the bottom, and it will tell you about where you can get, or sorry, where you can go all across the city to all of our farmers markets. Right. And so we basically have one every single day of the week. Right. And. Again, in different neighborhoods, at different times of the day. So there's no reason why you can't check out at least, you know, one or two of them. Okay. And the last reason that you gave in the article for going to a farmer's market is, of course, uh, you're supporting farmers. Yes, yes, definitely. So we, we talked a little bit about this where you can you can learn about their process. Um, and a lot of these farmers are really proud of their really proud of their work. I think but, you, they, but also they're getting paid, right? Uh, you're buying I mean they're getting paid directly, yeah. Right. And that that's fantastic. Um, they also really they become a part of the community. Right. Right. So even though they're outside of Toronto, they can still come into Toronto and and still be part of these different neighborhoods. Um, I think it's a fantastic way for us as attendees to be part of our community too, right? right? There are so many different ways to connect with different community partners. If it's the other businesses in the in the area who will come and do different workshops, for example, you you may even get inspired to sell your own products there, collaborate with other vendors. I think there are just so many so many different ways to volunteer within within the farmers markets that it's um yeah it's good for not only our bellies but also our souls. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that, and I, I don't want to sort of end on a negative note. One thing to also consider is there are so many markets. And they're not all created equal. And it is tremendous stress for the farmers to pick the food, come down, and then not be able to sell it because it's all perishable. Yes. So the other thing you're doing is, you know, you're helping them with their inventory, but also, you know, have a look and see what you can do to research which of these farmers markets are the really good ones because they treat the farm. Each one have different protocols and they treat the farmers differently. And we want to, we want to definitely support them and make sure that the farmers who are taking the trouble to come down are actually, it's worth their while. Absolutely. Fantastic. We're out of time today, but we're going to hear from you back uh, next month, right? Yes. Yes. Looking forward to it. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to the tonic. 
You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us on Facebook at The Tonic Talk Show or at Jamie Busson on Instagram. For great articles written by Emily Lipinski and Megan Horsley, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or coming on the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss pain relief, training for summer sports, and mindfulness and self-compassion. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.